Warning, this show may contain adult content, language, and humor and is intended for mature audiences. If that's not you, please stop listening now. Nothing you hear on Sex and Science Hour is intended as medical advice, financial advice, legal advice, therapy, or really anything other than entertainment. Please take everything you hear with a grain of salt. Oh, and if you're hearing us on an affiliate network, the ideas and views expressed on this show are not necessarily those of the network you're listening on or of any sponsors or affiliate products you might hear about on the show. Now that all that's out of the way, let's start the show. This is Sex and Science Hour with Brian Sovereign and Dr. Stephanie Murphy. Get your freak on. Hey, it's Sex and Science Hour time again. It's Friday. We're going to do another show for you all. Is it my birthday episode? It is. It's your birthday. We decided this year... That your birthday is going to go on for about a week. Oh, man. And so is mine. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Because mine's coming up next. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it is Brian's birthday. Everybody say happy birthday to him. As of May 12th, yes. And if you want to get him a birthday present, you can send us bitcoins or you can go to <laughs> you can go to stuff.sexandsciencehour.com and go shopping on Amazon and we'll get a little cut and we'll put you on our after show. Or you can even send us a PayPal donation on our website, sexandsciencehour.com. Right. Some already have two and then... Thank you so much. Yes, thank you so much. We really appreciate it. And we're actually, I, we were talking about this. We were having a, a very official monthly business meeting to discuss how Sex and Science Hour is going. And I think it's going pretty well so far. We're getting people actually shopping through our link, which is awesome. Yeah, no, I'm very pleased with the progress uh, and and. Yeah, how we can far we can so have more to re, to meet our goal that we talked about on our first show of season two. But you know, we're making good good progress towards that so far. So yeah, absolutely. If you want to help us out, go shopping at stuff.sexandsciencehour.com or just, you know, uh, send us money. <laughs> that would <Yeah>. help, too. <laughs> <laughs> because, you know, there's a really good reason that you should send us money. What's and I'll tell you reason? exactly what it is. It's not just because Brian's birthday is going on for a week. And it's not just because my birthday is coming up, too. It's because, Brian, I have a, a big reveal. I'm going to come out on Sex and Science Hour. I am... Not gay. Well, you are gay. Or no, I'm bisexual. I'm bisexual. not gay. Well, <laughs> you know, sometimes there's a against... big difference, Brian. Bi erasure. No, I, I, Come I, on. I know, but <laughs> some people use that term when they're bi. And I am. This is better than gay. Wow. I am. All right. Satoshi Nakamoto. What? <laughs> yes, it's true. I'm Satoshi Nakamoto. Would you mind? And so are you. That? I mean, what are we well, going to ask for people for money? Couldn't I, you just... Like, I mean, either you believe me or you don't. Go, right, go, right. What are you doing asking me for proof? I, you know, I, I Look, said I'm Satoshi and I got all these other people who are well-known and important to also say that I'm probably Satoshi. So why does it? Why do you need to see the proof? What is? Why are well, you asking me that? It's easy to prove. All you I just need can't. To... I can't even. Look, okay? I, 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 I'm going to disappear now, okay? <laughs> I can't even. Look, you hurt my feelings. <laughs> 
All you got to do. That was I mean, great. <laughs> that was great. <laughs> I mean, we're asking people for money. All you got to do is spend a little bit of those that that millions of dollars in Bitcoin that you have holed up somewhere. Well, I can't because you. it's being held by a trust fund. What? I can't spend that Bitcoin. It's right, being used for academic. It's going to be used for academic research, and it's in a trust. I need some more proof. I mean, come on. Like the guys from Litecoin and a whole bunch of other coins, they can so quickly prove that they're the creator of something. Can't you do something like that? Well, I don't like to use Twitter. I mean, oh. I just I can't be bothered. You know, <laughs> I really can't be bothered. I bravo. <laughs> <laughs> It's a great segue. <laughs> yeah. So in case you don't know what we're talking about, um, there was a, an instance recently that definitely made a lot of news. There is a guy, Craig Wright. He came out and said that he is Satoshi Nakamoto. He basically took cre- credit for creating Bitcoin. And this has been a big, huge thing because um, the identity of Satoshi Nakamoto which is obviously not their real name. Yeah. Um has been a secret for a long time. There has been, you know, there was that Newsweek article in 2014, the worst shoddy journalism that we covered on season 1 of Sex and Science Hour where they claimed by looking in the phone book that they found Satoshi, but obviously it was not the right person. Yeah, you're talking about Dorian Dorian Nakamoto, Nakamoto who's right. now a meme on <laughs> on the internet and it's pretty funny. But uh yeah, it wasn't Dorian. Um and then, you know, there've been fingers pointed at various people, but the point of I think a lot of the people who really got Bitcoin from the very beginning was like, who cares? Satoshi obviously wished to be anonymous. Yeah. So why not respect that wish as a thank you for the gift that Satoshi gave to the world, which is Bitcoin? And you know, I don't want to get into like romanticizing or idealizing Satoshi or putting them up on a pedestal. Because I'm sure Satoshi, whoever they are, doesn't, you know, agree with me 100%. It's easy to say like, oh, yeah, they, they, they're perfect, basically. They're Jesus, you know, they're, yeah. <laughs> they represent everything I stand for, and they're perfect, and they can do no wrong. I don't think that's true. But I, I, I definitely think Satoshi deserves to be left alone if that's what they want. And I Craig Wright, you know, recently came out and said, yeah, I'm Satoshi. Um, but when asked to provide like irrefutable proof that they were that Craig Wright was Satoshi, he really kind of backpedaled and he said, well, look, these famous people in Bitcoin said that they think I'm Satoshi. Yeah. So I'm. it must be true. But he really couldn't provide really couldn't come up with the cryptographic proof. He which had was, some. But he, like, he had some, but it could have been like he had this supercomputer. He could have probably derived, well, maybe derived those keys. He may have may a supercomputer. Maybe. I mean, the yeah. whole thing is very sketchy. Um, it really kind of smells bad. Yeah. yeah, if he did have a supercomputer, he could have faked some of this evidence. Yeah, potentially. The but point. the evidence, yeah. the, the scant evidence that he did provide, mm-hmm. I'd, I wouldn't say it's 100% proof. No. I don't know exactly how he got it, but it's it's not... It, it's it's not what Satoshi should be able to produce. Yeah. So I don't know what the real story is. There's lots of conspiracy theories about it. Of course, the mainstream media was like, well, we found Satoshi didn't even, you know, question it. I mean, some publications did. The Economist came out with this article where they were pretty, they were pretty they were skeptical, skeptical. Sure. I would say. Not everybody was. I mean, Wired said months ago that, that uh, Craig Wright was Andy Greenberg, which... He's usually a pretty good journalist. He kind of dropped the ball on this because he yeah. said he, he thinks that, that Craig Wright is Satoshi. Right. And at that time he denied it, right? Yeah. But see, I mean, personally, I'm kind of maybe apt to think that the real Satoshi 
still is anonymous and one is keeping their anonymity and saw this as a convenient. It was like a mutually beneficial thing. Craig Wright maybe wanted credit for being Satoshi, even though he sure, really it's wasn't. Kind of red herring, maybe. Could maybe get him out of some trouble because there were some allegations that he got like government grants or something to research cryptographic stuff. And mm-hmm. if he was actually Satoshi, then you know, those grants didn't get wasted or whatever. And I don't know, he could prove that he didn't misuse those funds and wouldn't have to pay them back. There was some like, there was some like, um, you know, a case that it would help if he was Satoshi, that that would get him out of hot water, basically, yeah. if he actually turned out to be Satoshi. So he had an, he had a, a potentially a, co- potentially a conflict of interest or an right. ulterior motive, like to want to be Satoshi, even if he really wasn't. And the real Satoshi, from what we know about Satoshi, you know, probably still wants to be anonymous. I don't know why, after keeping their identity so carefully hidden for the last eight years, why would they want to come out now? Why come out now and say, oh, yeah, it's me? Yeah. Hi, guys. Here I am. <laughs> I was I took painstaking steps well, over the last eight years to become to hide my identity. Was it eight years? 2009 was the Bitcoin's birthday, right? Yeah, I so think that's right. it wouldn't be eight years. It would be, oh, math. Yeah, it'd be a few years. <laughs> Since 2009, <Yeah>. okay? Yeah. <laughs> Seven years. Right. So, yeah, I mean, it's about eight years. Uh, why hide your identity so painstakingly and then just suddenly blow your own cover? It just doesn't make sense. Well, he gave reasons. I mean, then the reasons were is that he wanted to help uh, maybe direct you know, give some direction to Bitcoin and, and help be a part of the conversation around that. But um, even that not- stinks because, like, I think it's pretty clear from, like, the original writings of Satoshi that Bitcoin was meant to be, like, a leaderless, decentralized movement. It wasn't sure. supposed to have, like, a figurehead at the top saying, oh, yes, I think this is this is the direction I think it should go in and steering it. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, we saw Craig Wright in his, not his outing, but like his his public appearance at uh, um, On the Skype. Bitcoin Invest. Was, right. Yeah, there was a Bitcoin conference we went to the October 2015. Uh, November, I think, wasn't it? It was overlapping October and November, yeah, yeah, so we're yeah. both yeah, okay, right. right. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So October, November, 2015, Halloween weekend, basically. Yeah. Um, so he said Craig Wright came on Skype, and he was on a panel with like Nick Zabo, who's also been accused of being Satoshi, and um, denies it. You know. Yep. Whatever. I don't care who oh, yeah, I, who right. Satoshi is, but anyway, there were a lot of people on this panel who were accused of being Satoshi, right? Yeah, no, it's <laughs> more true. than one at least. Right, but my my point is is that Craig Wright there when he was talking was talking a lot about direction, where he thought this technology should go, what it should be used for, et cetera, et cetera. Right, yeah. Granted, also Nick Sabo during this, who has been accused of being Satoshi, like you said, uh, was also, I mean, more or less saying that Craig Wright's definitions were ludicrous, like. Like he said, he'd never heard things described that way. And he meant that as, I think, an insult. Like he's saying, uh, this guy's nuts. Like, like nobody, no programmer defines things that way. That's not how it is. Uh, and mm. so, so I thought Craig Wright was kind of made a mockery. Uh, the only thing interesting about him at all is that he, that he, that he supposedly has this, you know, the supercomputer. Um, a lot of the stuff he talked about, I thought was philosophically preposterous. Like it was ridiculous. The things that, he what did he say specifically do. that you disagreed with? Oh man, I, I would have to listen to it again. I just remember like hearing it and just shaking my head going, no, I remember no, you shaking your no, head. Yeah. yeah. And I, I couldn't, 
the way he spoke on the panel was very academic. You know, I couldn't mm-hmm. exactly follow everything he was saying, honestly. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it, it, it wasn't, I don't know. I mean, if the real Satoshi probably is an academic and an egghead, you know, sure. so of course they aren't the best at like public speaking. No, right. So that doesn't necessarily like give him a black mark for being Satoshi. But um, I don't know. I, I couldn't picture it. Yeah, but, I think the real Satoshi's still out there. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, no, that's Keep right. Interrupting yeah, you. Like, I, I mean, but that Craig Wright, like, regardless of the specifics, he was clearly like he's he's wanting to direct things in a, in a certain way, um, and I have a kind of a problem with that in and of itself uh, because you know I love there's lots of programmers, there's lots of software that's come out over the few you know past few decades that's amazing and still gets used today and is really foundational to the infrastructure uh, of the entire planet whatever gets used think uh, bsd which is probably my favorite operating system out there okay who created bsd nobody knows nobody really knows like it was a really? team well i mean yeah people know it was a team of people but i'm just saying like so they're not anonymous but nobody gives them credit nobody gives a yeah, shit right? right and that's okay and I, and I, and i think the creators don't mind that nobody really knows right but everybody I mean, they, uses it and nobody that did create it is telling me what to do with their fucking operating system you know what i mean and that's mm-hmm. the problem is that i think personally i think craig Wright. You know, he, yeah, the Australian tax evasion or, or Australian government evasion thing is a very interesting theory. Uh, there might be a lot of truth to that. Um, but in some ways, I feel like he was, you know, you remember Star Trek The Next Generation? Of course. Yeah. Are you, you even know, asking me that question? I know, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, remember Kaelas? Yes. The emperor, the, the Klingon he was like emperor. the Klingon Jesus, basically. Yeah. He gets, he gets, they, 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 this, this group of priests in an episode in the 60s and they create a clone of him mm-hmm. to redirect the Klingon Empire. To reunite Empire. the Klingons. Yeah. yeah they've stuff. lost their way and yeah. Kalos is going to come back and tell them what to do. Right. But it was all a ruse. It was really just this group <laughs> of priests that wanted to control things. And I kind of feel like. That's what that might be. What's going on here is Craig Wright. There's so much wisdom in Star Trek. Oh, always, it's always ahead of the game. But I mean, you have you know you had you had uh, Gavin, you know Gavin Andreessen, John Matonis, who I generally like, uh, and, and you know these people saying that it's him. I almost feel like they brought him in like Kalos to say, okay, we have this huge argument over block size and in, in Bitcoin, we need to create a Satoshi who can finally tell it how it is, and we can yeah. all move on and move forward. That's another theory that's been been bandied about a lot. Yeah. yeah like this is some move to control the direction of Bitcoin by somebody. Yeah, and, and that's the thing. It's like, I don't want a figurehead to tell me what to do with software. Just let me fucking use it. You know, if Bill Gates told people what to do with Windows, I mean, it, it, it'd be terrible. Yeah, I, I agree. I think that's a really good point. And eventually, you know, with good open source decentralized projects, they do grow bigger than the creators, right? Like yeah. it becomes bigger than yourself, right? I That sounds kind of weird and yogic or something, <laughs> but like, ooh, man, I create something that's bigger than myself and whatever the universe yeah, is then. I mean, and there's... Oh, wait, I think they're recording pot. No, we're fine. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, keep going. Okay. Mouth to tape. Mouth to tape. Mouth to tape. <laughs> <laughs> like, I mean, there's something for respecting the creator's, you know, perhaps wishes and desires, but look, Satoshi left. You know, yeah. I mean, like, like the programming's not up to him anymore. Just like the guys that originally were ahead of BSD, they've turned it over to other people. Yeah, I mean, this. you def- you definitely don't get to create something, walk off the project, and then come back eight years later and say, oh, do this, right? right? <laughs> yeah, it's like Star Wars. Okay, when George Lucas was running the shit, 
It's his call. He does whatever he wants to with his baby. He sold it to Disney. Now it's Disney's call to do whatever they want to do. And honestly, they're not doing a bad job. Okay. Uh, you know, so I'm just saying, I get it respecting the creator, but the creator's gone and hasn't had a say for a long time. And if he comes back now, I don't give a shit what he has to say. Where was he when it, I think personally, when I think Bitcoin was when it really needed, perhaps it did need somebody, you know, to, to kind of keep it on in, in it, it to its roots mm-hmm. or something. Because, you know, we, you've, we've talked about this, Stephanie, oh, yeah. about like, I mean, Bitcoin's fucking boring and, and it's, it's gone <laughs> it's, to the bankers. It's, it's gone, gone to, to the, the bankers. That's it, for it's sure. Gone to the Silicon Valley slap something nuts. very different than when I got excited about it in yeah. the first place, for sure. Yeah. So I I'll me. always hold that time as very special in my heart. You know, the beginning of Bitcoin, but it's definitely changed since then right so i would have loved if satoshi was around maybe to still you know, or at least to to kind of like three years ago where were you three years ago satoshi yeah i, I come on anyway where is your god now <laughs> <laughs> that's a yeah. great place to end off the first yeah. segment Craig here right is not satoshi Very, Nakamoto. no i don't i don't believe so either if yeah. you have thoughts about this you can let us know uh, but this is Sex and Science Hour, and we're doing a show about sex and science, too. We're not just talking about who Satoshi is or is not. So we'll be back to talk about cow farts in just a minute. Well, that's a great topic. <laughs> of course it is. This is Sex and Science Hour. More coming up. Hey, we're back. Do a little dance. Make a little noise. Get down tonight. Get down I'm not going to sing that. You just did. I hate to break it to you. Know, I'm, I'm not, not editing like, really, that shit. <laughs> I'm not going to sing. Like, <laughs> you're not going to like... Okay, so you're going to like half... I'm not saying I can't sing. I actually... I you're can, a good I singer. I can sing pretty well, but I'm just not going to sing here. Let's talk... You know, when, when I do think Do people about, have to pay for that? You do make music. It's I, not singing. I, I do have albums, Audio of the Ancients, .xyz, if you want to check them out. You can see Brian's albums. And yeah. You can see my voiceovers um, at smvoice.info, because I am a voice actor. I have several audiobooks on audible.com, and one of them actually includes some singing in it. I won't tell you which one, because it's an Easter egg. Oh, that was amazing when you did it. That was great. Yeah, I thought that came out pretty good. Yeah. It may or may not have mermaids, too. <laughs> I love it. So anyway, um, what are we going to talk about? Heroic scientists want to clean up cow farts to save the planet. Now, you know what? This is perfect, because I, when I think Craig Wright, I think cow farts. Oh, that's not nice. <laughs> Let's stay away from the ad hominems. Right, I don't really right, have right. anything against him, I guess, but right. I just don't think he's Satoshi. But anyway, <laughs> heroic scientists, Brian, this is from your favorite publication, one of your favorite publications. Uh. Which well, one? what what are your top three most hated Gawker properties? What? Well, all right, <laughs> all right, hold on. What? Give me a listicle of your of your worst Gawker. Properties. So this is what from Gizmodo, right? This is from Gizmodo. Yes. So, so here's the problem: is that like Gawker bought out a bunch of really popular blogs a few years ago. One yes, of them, like being Io9. I love io9. Now io9 is kind of mixed in with Gizmodo and all this yep. stuff. And Gizmodo's kind of okay too. Uh, Gawker and Jezebel themselves are incredibly problematic. Lifehacker, with all due respect to Gina Trapani, who I just love. She was one of the original creators of Lifehacker. Lifehacker has turned into this 
this this beast that cannot be tamed. Because, <laughs> what do you mean by that? Because you can't not hack everything it? in life is a hack. <laughs> like, that word has a fucking meaning to it. It has a very specific meaning. And it drives, like, I mean, you look at the, the stories on there. It's like, oh, this simple hack will give you great speakers by using two styrofoam cups. Or this, <laughs> this, this great hack will show you how to eat a banana. Man, there ain't no hacks to eating a banana. Yeah, you can't hack a banana. <laughs> yeah, That's bullshit. There's a great a article. Shit. Yeah, there's a great article I read on on, on Sovereign Tech some time ago that that covered I a lot. Remember that? Yeah, and I, I just I I by the way I also covered the fact that Craig Wright was now Satoshi months ago on Sovereign Tech. But anyway, but Sovereign we, Tech is your podcast, which can be found at sovereigntech.com. S o v r y n, or just go to zog.ninja. But yeah, so Gizmo. I mean, so so Gawker, like they've bought some great properties, and most of their properties are are unfortunately now they're just native advertising. Even io9, uh, like I love Kotaku. Kotaku's great. Like they, mm-hmm. sadly, Gawker's properties are is one of the only places that covers some of this awesome, awesome news. I'm not saying what we're about to read is awesome news, but it's a shame because it's all it's all owned by Gawker, and it just it makes me sick it makes you gawk yeah it makes me gawk because (laughs) because gawker is such a heinous company especially what they're doing to hogan to hulk hogan Uh, oh yeah we talked about that didn't we no that was on i think that was on my show but you know it reminds me zondervan okay zondervan is a book publisher they are they they may be next to next to nelson they may be the number one publisher of bibles in the world okay but i've never heard of them yeah but they also have other they have other imprints that published some of the best fiction going today, like science fiction, like, and it's not... Huh. Talk about it, covering your bases. Yeah, it, it's funny, too, because it's not like, um, it, you know, they're not, it's not Christian works. In fact, when I was a Christian, thankfully I'm not anymore, uh, when I was, like, that was one of the things is that, oh, Zondervan can't possibly be making good Bibles with your new international version or anything like that, because the same company prints veritable smut you know, uh, and, and so how why would can, they not separate? Like, do they do it under different names? Oh, yeah, it's under different names. Of course names, they do. But yeah, it's that's all the oldest owned by Zondervan. You see, and that's the thing. It's like, okay, but then am I not going to read works that Zondervan prints just because they also schlep out, uh, you, you know, this horrendous book known as, as the Holy Bible? Uh, I, I mean, well, right. At first, you weren't reading their smut because you were afraid it would contaminate your, yeah, and I'm your in the holy opposite. Bible. Now you won't read their Bibles because you're afraid it will taint your smut. <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> Something yeah. like either way. There's our show title: Taint Your Smut. Anyway, yeah. um, <laughs> let's talk about some farting wait, cows. Wait, wait, wait. Before right. we get to the cows, how do you feel? How do you really feel about Mashable? Oh. Mashable is not owned by Gawker. <laughs> no, Mashable, I I know, but it's kind of under that same vein, it is. you know. Mashable is doing a nosedive right now, and I've met Pete Cashmore in the past. I feel bad because he's a nice guy, but man, you talk about a shit show of of a uh, <laughs> going down in flames, huh? I, I mean, they're so bad. When you start reporting on tweets, when you writing a story about a tweet becomes one of you know takes up precious space on your on your on your your, your you know your main page on on your home page, you're in trouble, man. I mean, you're like you, you're not. But a it's new... hot. It gets thousands of shares. It gets thousands of shares. But what is that? You know, someone. But we... who's sharing these things? That's what I wonder, right? So, well, that's the thing. Someone we know said they actually ran the metrics on their own site. And I have every reason to believe them. Okay. Uh, that on their website, I won't mention the website, but on their website, they get 
three times the amount of shares to actual clicks, like to their site. Oh, I know the website you're talking about. Yeah, yeah so that's so more, it, so people don't even fucking read it. Right, they just see a good title and they're like, "Oh, duh-hoo, that sounds great. Yeah, I it, think I'll share it." Right, and they just think <laughs> of the source and they just share it. Like it's they, they're totally falling for appeal to authority. Or that's whatever. like, didn't you learn growing up? Like before you sign something, you should read it. Like I know nobody follows that. Nope. I try to. I mean, I I try to so- read things before I sign them, but read things before you share them. It's free, you know. Like you're, yeah. It's not like you're signing a contract or something. The stakes aren't that high, but Jesus Christ. That's an amazing statistic. Yeah, okay. it really is. And it's so true. So like Mashable, you know. BuzzFeed. BuzzFeed, all of them having millions of shares means fucking nothing because there's a very good chance <laughs> that nobody saw the ads that are on the site, which that's what it's all about mm. is, you know, getting those ad impressions by clicking on those stories, but nobody clicks. They just share it and somehow think they're cute and hope people click like or something. And they get some kind of endorphin rush, which they should be getting from stooping instead of sharing on social media. I tell you what a world I am fired up today. All right. Let's I know keep going. it. Well, you're you could you're so fired up you could propel yourself to the moon to the moon, your Alice. Own, your own flatulence. Yes. Uh, getting back to cow farts. All right. Everybody knows that cow farts are basically a problem because there's so many animals, livestock that are raised for meat, and the vegetarians hate this, of course, <laughs> for many reasons, not just because they're polluting the earth, but because they don't like when people eat animals. Um. But these cows release methane gas from their digestion. Yes. And it's a, it's a natural byproduct of them eating and metabolizing. And that goes into the atmosphere. And methane is actually a worse, if you, if you buy into the whole global warming thing, methane is worse at global warming or causes more global warming than CO2. I don't mean to make it sound like it's a theory, right? Because it's, it's. It's not really like the idea that certain gases in the atmosphere will tend to increase the average temperature of the earth. Mm-hmm. It's everything else surrounding that. Like, for example, the idea that the government should do something that world government should band together and like restrict people from like breathing and driving cars and things like that because yeah. we're going to hurt the planet. Like, that's what I'm very skeptical of. Not the fact that there's science that, that shows climate that change if occurs. the composition of the atmosphere changes, yeah, the temperature of the earth might change too. That seems like a no brainer. That's pretty straightforward, right? Sure. Yeah. There, I mean, th- there have been stories where the numbers seem to have been massaged. That are, that are proof, you know, about climate change. It gets change very political. It does very I mean, fast. I don't even want to get into it too much. There's I just no think need. it's entertaining to talk about cow farts. Yeah. Because <laughs> now this is kind of interesting. So th- that's the problem, right? We've we've laid out the problem. The solution, supposedly, according to this new research, is that some scientists discovered a compound called three nitrooxypropanol. That actually, if you feed it to cows or g- deliver it to cows some somehow, it sh- it prevents the methane from forming. Okay. In their guts. Okay. And it basically it inhibits um, the microorganisms and enzyme in the microorganisms in the cow's guts that produce the methane, and a tiny amount of it will just keep on suppressing the methane production. So, um. This is an excerpt from the article here by Maddie Stone. She says, uh, the researchers added 3-NOP, which is this um, 
this drug to mixed populations of gut microbes in the lab. While the chemical dramatically reduced the growth of methanogens, it had little effect on the overall composition of the gut flora, sparing the bacteria that perform the bulk of digestion. In fact, adding this chemical to livestock feed could be a good thing for farmers' bottom lines. Methane efficient methane emissions are effectively an energy loss, a portion of the feed that ruminants aren't putting on as weight. So this is like Beano for cows with no apparent <laughs> ill effects. <laughs> um, quote, we see an inter- increase in the efficiency of ruminant production systems as better use is made of the energy taken in animal feed, given that methane production accounts for a loss of up to 12 percent of the energy an animal ingests, says the study co-authored, co-author David Yanez in a statement. So if cattle farms start to lose that nostalgic aroma in the years to come, don't be alarmed. A farm that's had its farts sanitized is a farm that's helping Florida stay above water. <laughs> I didn't well, know Florida was in danger of uh, sinking that, into the sea. That's the theory. I thought it was California, but anyway, yeah. whatever. So I'm kind of worried, you know, like they already put so much shit in the, ca- like not actual shit, but they, they already put so many chem- chemicals in most commercially raised cows in the U.S. Like they just give them all these antibiotics and growth hormones and milk production hormones and like adding another one on. I'm just not sure. Like, how does that affect the meat? You yeah. Know, does it get into the humans? Like, will we be not farting pretty soon? Yeah. And will that make humans gain more weight? Right. What? Yeah. What are the long term consequences? Yeah. What of are this? the effects? Like, I they're they're pumping this up as though it's this great thing, but I hate to burst their bubble, but I don't know if it's. And so you are you are a. I mean, you're a biochemist. Yeah, I I mean, I am. And I also went to medical school for two years, and I'm really interested in gut microbes and all this stuff. Mm -hmm. But I also try to eat, like, organic grass-fed meat whenever possible because I'm concerned about all the shit that goes into cows and commercial farms. So, you know, I try to stay away from the big big cattle, I guess you could say. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if that makes me more of a problem or less or if I'm really avoiding it. But I don't know. I just think whenever you perturb a biological system, there's ripple effects and consequences and people don't necessarily think about those. Like, I know this seems this thing seems like a panacea, but you really uh, need to test it a little further. Yeah. Now, I have a question for you. Yes. Like, I mean, there's there's a lot of people that talk about perhaps uh, the effect of stress or the effect of, uh, of not being happy, perhaps, mm-hmm. upon health and things like this. I mean, d- yes. d- do you do you, in the abstract? Do you put credence? Do you do you, do you put stock? one hundred percent. It is scientifically completely provable. All right. Now here's a question, and and this is going to sound funny, but I actually kind of mean it in a serious sense. Um, do you like the smell of your own product? <laughs> um. Come on. I'm 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 not going to say anything that's going to incriminate me on Sex and Science Hour here. All right. Well, I'll say it. I like the smell of my own product. <laughs> and and I think most people do. Okay. Now, in fact, I feel I feel incredible satisfaction not just at farting. So the cows are going to be deprived. But it's smelling my fart. And and I think what if what if part of the health of the cow comes from the fact that it gets a good whiff. <laughs> Of its own flatulence. All right. And I, I mean, and, and and if it doesn't get that, it starts to question its existence. It starts to, you know, fall into depression and perhaps its meat isn't so, uh, uh, well, whatever way you want it. Fatty, lean, I don't know. Healthy. But healthy. Yeah, but it's that's a good beca- question. Yeah. Or they start to die. 
and mass yeah. because they're they're not getting I mean do we know what effects breathing in methane has on the brain of a cow we do not know and I'm not a doctor well I mean I'm not a I'm not a bio I'm not a biochemist okay or I'm not a biologist You are an internet kind. doctor Yeah <laughs> I'm not saying I wouldn't use the title doctor but yeah, there's real problems here that I don't think people are taking into consideration. And the other part, the other problem I well, have they're with not this. even mentioning any potential problems with it. That's the that's the biggest issue I see with the journalism about this is right. they're just like, oh, isn't this great? But nobody's considering what could be the potential downfalls of it, <laughs> or yeah. downsides of it. Yeah, and I'm also concerned is that there's a lot of there's a lot of a lot of companies out there, especially in Silicon Valley. There's one in particular, Cambrian Genomics. Oh, yeah, they are topping my listicle of uh, very scary uh, companies. <laughs> yeah, now this is a company that wants to make all your all your lady bits smell good. Well, they, their okay. first product that they rolled out was a genetically engineered bacteria that is added to be added to pet food mm-hmm. to make their poop smell like bananas. Right. And because the bacteria is some probiotic or whatever that produces banana esters, so their shit smells like bananas. It probably actually smells like a cross between shit and bananas, which yeah. is going to ruin bananas for everybody. But like how long till that if you release a genetically modified bacteria like that into the wild, mm-hmm. how long until it starts mixing its DNA with other bacteria? Because bacteria do that. They're very promiscuous. They trade little uh, snippets of DNA with each other all the time. That's how we get antibiotic resistance. Right. What happens with that? How long until it gets into the guts of humans and then our shit starts smelling like bananas, too? And then bananas smell is forever associated with poop. And there's another one that there's another product that they are planning to come out with. I don't think they've released it yet. It is a, a lactobacillus, right? The vaginal bacteria that's commonly thought of the, to colonize the, the vagina. Mm-hmm. And that one produces a peach smell. So you can make your pussy smell like a peach. Which is crazy because I love the way most pussy smell i mean i I do too there's nothing wrong with it and i think it would probably be really weird if you went down on a woman and she smelled like a peach i mean you can do whatever you want to your own body but like there's so much cultural shit and baggage out there about women are dirty they smell bad their vaginas are disgusting um you need this product to make your vagina like like completely sterile and clean yeah and this is just kind of riding on that coattail and of course it's made by like these these like bros in Silicon Valley who want to control the smell of women's bodies. And it's just offensive. Yeah. It's shaming. It's, it's shaming all the way down and definitely. Yeah. And I think that that's personally, I think that's reprehensible. I think it's terrible that a, that a company, you know, plays and prays upon that. So what Uh, can go wrong with messing with nature? We're not saying like, don't do science or anything like that. We're not saying, Oh, they're playing God or anything like that. It's just that, you know, most of the time, people don't think about what could possibly go wrong when they mess with a natural system. And most of the time, there are unintended results. There are yeah. unexpected consequences that are negative. Yeah. And if you think like that, that wide, you know, widespread farming and all this, you know, and so many cows and, and all that is, you know, that that's such a real problem and that people should be eating vegetarian or something like that. And, oh, well, this is a nice, you know, middle of the road solution to all that crap. Uh it's a good chance that, and here's the irony for you. Here's the big picture. This science is probably getting funded by government. You as a scientist, Stephanie, I, I, oh, would, I guarantee you. Right. I guarantee. <laughs> well, guess who's funding all, a lot of those farmers? 
the government. Yeah. Okay. That's so true. like it's like it's like the government's funding both sides of a war uh, here. You you know, and, and so the, yeah, the, and they definitely like this research might not ever be in existence if the government weren't pushing it in that direction. You know what I mean? Right. Because scientists study what the government gives grants for, and the government believes that global warming. I don't know. They they have this whole thing around global warming that it's this big problem and we need to do something about it. And yes, give us more power and funding so we can find solutions to this problem, which may or may not be actually kind of not a problem. Right. Um, <laughs> so they de- there's definitely an incentive for the government to want like power and control over it. Yeah. I mean, so, you know, my point is, is that cows aren't the problem. Scientists aren't the problem because many of them largely are heroic. And I think that's great. Mm-hmm. The problem is central planning. Yeah, the problem is somebody like that, that. <laughs> that has the control to implement this shit widespread. Mm. That's the problem. And, you know, all this all this stuff is Done. just band-aids. Mic drop. Done. <laughs> Woo, drop them. <laughs> so uh, we got another article, if we can squeeze it in all here. All right, let's squeeze them. Um, this is really cool. Google... Uh, sorry, not Wait, Google. That, that doesn't sound. No, like no, the no. Right I screwed up. That's an oxymoron. Comcast. Aha. Whoa, that's not. Wait, any better. no, that's not cool either. <laughs> oh my gosh. So the title, the reason I said that is because this article I have here from Wired. It's called "Gunning for Google." Comcast preps gigabit internet that works with regular cable. Now this is interesting. Now this is actually cool and interesting, even though it has the ti- the names of two eh, companies. <laughs> <laughs> they might be a little scary in in the in the front of it. So what basically what's going on here? This is by April Glazer from Wired. Comcast, the internet provider everyone loves to hate, and oh boy, I do love to hate them. They may be my internet provider, and. <laughs> Maybe. Uh, if you could barely call them an internet provider, because we get, we have an embarrassingly slow internet for people who are interested in technology. You want to know what our speed is? Oh, Maximum three megabit con- connection up. It's all or true. not up down. Up is even worse. Up is like point three. It's not even <laughs> reaching one megabit up. And yeah. and I just refuse to pay for the. Oh, they want you to buy a TV and a phone package. We don't need either of those. Right. I'm not going to pay for that shit. <laughs> and like the next tier up is like 25 megabits. Ooh, big deal. And it's like it's like twice the price. Yeah. And I'm thinking this is such bullshit. And you can't get faster without buying phone and internet too, which I don't want. Yeah. So I'm not going to fucking buy it. <laughs> But now, admittedly... That's why I love to hate Comcast, actually. I don't love to hate them. I wish I had a a better option, but there's a monopoly on the area. There's no other real options for internet. Yeah, once again, it's central planning because they they hold the keys to the last mile. They they, Yeah, they collaborate or co... What's the word I'm looking for? Corporatism? No, they they conspire with towns and localities. Yeah, they lobby. To have like a monopoly over servicing that area with internet. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, But now, admittedly, this is interesting. And the price that they're asking for, for 25 megabit, you know, if they were our service provider, which I'm not saying that they are, aren't. Are we not uh, allowed to say that, bad things about Comcast? Yeah, I, I mean, think we are. I'm pretty but, sure they won't care unless, and still, we're, as long as we're paying them. <laughs> yeah, but now you know if they were charging, I don't know, a hundred bucks or whatever a month, like this might be worth it because they figured out, and this is this is interesting. They have figured out how to uh, uh, get 
through a regular coaxial, no need to lay down fiber. Right. They figured out how to get down, how to get 10 gigabit internet. They're initially only offering one, which is matching Google fiber. Right. But they could do 10 through this. This is pretty incredible. Let's let's talk about some more details of this. So Comcast, the internet provider everyone loves to hate, is gearing up to offer one gigabit per second internet service in five U.S. cities this year. The first five cities to see the blazing speed are not New Hampshire, where we live. Uh, so who cares? Well, in- <laughs> it, I think I think there's a point to the cities yeah. because they are cities that are that Google is planning to roll out Google Fiber in. Oh, of course. So they're beating them they're to just, the punch. They're, aren't they lucky? They've been blessed with the competition that's driving the arms race. Yeah, the, some Comcast cities. Google. You know, we we're just complaining about that. Some cities do actually have options. Uh, I don't know what yeah. that's like, but apparently it's a thing. Uh. Yes. In line with Google Fiber, Verizon Fios, and municipal offerings at one gigabit speeds to the home. Oh, my God. Could you imagine if you had municipal internet? I didn't know that cities, like, did that. I had no idea. Only a few. Chattanooga does that. Okay, wow. They have one gigabit internet in Chattanooga, uh, Tennessee. Way down yonder in the Chattahoochee. Yeah. Yeah, and people love it, but, you know, let's be clear that... 10 years from now, it's probably only going to be one gigabit. Right. As to where exactly. 10 years from now, everywhere else could be 10 gigabit or yeah, more. Or more. Exactly. Right. Uh, let's see. The new Comcast service will dramatically increase download speeds. Most subscribers currently receive download speeds of 25 to 100 megabits per second. Whereas we have yeah, three. three. <laughs> <laughs> For the customers with a 100 megabit per second connection, the increase boosts their speed 10 times over. So for us, it would be 30. T- no, yeah. it would be, wait a minute. It would be like 300 times. Yeah. <laughs> For customers with 25 megabit connections, it's 40 times faster. At that rate, one could download a full length HD movie in around seven seconds. Not that's, bad. That's pretty amazing. Oh, my God. I can yeah. only dream of that. Yeah, I mean, I could only dream. Now, again, the amazing thing here is this is being done with infrastructure that's existed for 50 years. Right. Uh, that's that's the new and different thing. So it says what sets Comcast oh, sorry. <sighs> what sets Comcast gigabit service apart is the fact that the internet provider is not using fiber optic lines to achieve the mega fast speeds. Instead, the company is using the existing coaxial cable lines that are already piped into people's homes, giving Comcast a potentially huge advantage over a project like Google Fiber, which requires digging costly trenches through cities to lay fiber cables. Yeah, I mean, that's that's huge. Where it, and it all gets done, apparently, at effectively the, the telephone pole, wherever they like the cable usually it's that spot where where they would put filters to keep you from getting hbo it's and all the happening stuff. spot the telephone yeah. pole yeah everything you, happens right. there <laughs> even though now i'm sure all that's done through software through the cable boxes and all that yeah uh, but anyway it all gets done there and so there is some degree of upgrading that needs to be done but that's a whole hell of a lot different than digging up you know trenches like like they mentioned in the article here uh and to be able to do 10 gigabit now now they're using uh what is it called doxis yeah 3.1 which right now the standard's 3.0 which is only a few years old that's right um and and so i i guess that you know just the magic is is in the box as they say uh and that i mean that's impressive and 
I mean, initially, I'm just amazed, and they don't explain how the technology exactly works. Okay? They say, yeah, they say um, it's a new kind of cable modem that uses the DOCSIS 3.1 standard, which is an acronym for Data Over Cable Service mm-hmm. Interface Specification. Right. Data Over Cable Service Interface <laughs> Specification. <laughs> and, well, it looks like any other black box, this new standard is capable of pumping data at 10 gigabits per second over existing coaxial cable. Um, yeah, it doesn't say exactly no. how it works, but they basically say later in the article that it it somehow is able to encode or transmit the signal more efficiently. So yeah. it's nothing to do with the hardware. It's all the algorithms. Yeah, I kind of wonder if there's some buffering going on here. Like somehow they're they're like they're putting buffers at at the box. You know, how, how it, wherever that ends up. Maybe happening. they had this all along and they just didn't re- roll it out. I don't know, yeah. but it's amazing. I mean, people have to understand. Like coaxial has been around for so long. Yeah. Like I mean, this is ancient stuff, and for it to be able to do this. Uh, I I love that. Not that I want people to stick with old infrastructure. And yes, if there wasn't all that central planning, you know, we who knows what we'd be using right now. But uh, but this is really cool. I don't want to give Comcast any credit, but this is awesome because this could be done everywhere, you know, and it could be rolled out very inexpensively. It could really be a game changer. I remember we talked about P-Cell on our one of our old se- season oh, one yeah. Sex and Science Hours. Yeah. We might not even need P-Cell with this. Just yeah. hope it doesn't stay only in the hands of Comcast. Cause, in certain cities. Yeah. <laughs> this is Sex and Science Hour. There's more coming up. Hey, Brian. Would, hey, you like, would you like to wear a robot glove that makes you feel like you're touching boobs? Well... Why are... not, right? Yeah, I mean, you got to you got to try it. I was going to ask how long were you planning on being away? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going anywhere, but okay. I think we could both try this together and it'd yeah. be really fun. Yeah. Um this is from interestingengineering.com and of course we are in our sexual segment, so <laughs> talk and about we broke it up, robotic huh? boobs. <laughs> um Japanese researchers. Oh, have, I love of the course, Japanese. it's the Japanese researchers. So Just leave it to the, the Japanese. Game. God damn it. I love it. <laughs> Japanese researchers have developed a robotic glove like device that can simulate the sensation of touching someone's boobs. Now, before you knock it off as an invention of lonely scientists, <laughs> there's a serious <laughs> and good use to this device. So the researchers hope the device can be used. <laughs> This is the weakest, lamest justification ever. <laughs> guess what it is? Can Go you guess? No, I can't. <laughs> the researchers hope the device can be used as a training device for medical students to become skilled in breast exams. Oh, yeah. <laughs> of course, that's what it's for. Oh, my God. There's no real way to learn the breast exam, like really actually practicing it on a real breast or multiple real breasts because women are different. It's not just there's not like a uniform feel to every breast. They feel different. They feel different at different times of the month. They feel different on different ladies. They feel different at different ages. So I I don't know if this is going to get into the technology surrounding, you know, how this is all done. Mm -hmm. Um, But what I think this is. It does. Okay. I don't know if you want to read that or... No, tell me what you're going to say. Well, my take on the whole thing is, is this is something that... This is a development that I have wanted and have waited for. Not because I need to be feeling boobs all the time or something. But this is for... <laughs> what else could it, what well, else right. could it possibly well, be? <laughs> but yeah, this is for virtual reality. 
Ah, uh, yeah, that's so right. This is so you can put on these gloves along with some degree of virtual VR And feel like you're touching anything, not just feel like you're boob. touching the person. Yeah, mm-hmm. and feel like you're having contact in all this. That's the, the, I mean, yeah, the boob part is is funny and also useful. I mean, I, I fully expect to be having VR sex, you know, at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, e- even honestly, at points, and someone's going to share like some uh, demolition man mean meme with us at some point. I'm sure. Okay, but even like I would test it out with you and I in the house. We could be sitting on the same damn couch, and I would want to try out VR sex. Right. I mean, wouldn't, wouldn't you? Um, yeah, I, I would. Yeah, you want to try it out? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. come on. <laughs> I had to think about it for a minute, but yeah, sure. Why no, not? Yeah, of course you try it. I don't I know mean, if I'd want to make it a regular thing. I'm no, guessing the no, real no, thing is going to be better, but it's just, it would be cool to try. Absolutely. Sure. The real thing is always better. Okay. Uh, yeah. So, but, but I mean, the point is, is that, yeah, you try it. And I think this is part of the, the steps for that. And this is one of the, this is one of the technologies that's just going to make virtual reality all the more viable uh, to where, cause like, you know, I, and, and you know this about me, Stephanie, I hate Skype calls. I uh. hate I hate all that because there's nothing. Yeah. You get to see the person's face and you get to see some motion, but there's so much missing. And if you can simulate just a little bit more, maybe, you know, long distance friendships and long distance, whatever else's relationships, uh, relationships overall can just become a lot more meaningful and, and like Mm. would seem worth my time. Cause otherwise I want people here. I want them next to me. I don't, I know I can't stand that. But anyway, what, what do you, I mean, what do you think? Or or do you want to read? I know. Well, I was just going to say like, I like Skype because it enables me to carry on friendships that I wouldn't otherwise be able to. Mm -hmm. But I will say, like, it definitely gets tiring to sit in front of a computer screen for a long time and look at the person through the screen as though you're looking at them like like an animal in the zoo, you know, like a fish looking through a fishbowl or something. Yeah. And you can't actually touch them, especially if you want to be next to them or whatever. I mean, that's a bummer sometimes. So I don't know. I've got mixed feelings about it. Overall, I like it. But I don't know if would virtual reality be better though like could you really go and like hang out with your friend who doesn't live near you in vr would that feel the same would it be tiring because i always feel like my eyes are getting crossed with those stupid devices i don't think i'll be able to well, handle vr they, they oh, have to improve for it there, there's no question that has to get improved but that's that's easy like that that's that's a that's not an emotional solution that's like a that's just a technological that's a technology solution. thing yeah yeah i don't know i just even with anything that you had to wear gear, no matter how comfortable it is, anything that I have to wear a suit, I don't know. It's got to be really good to distract me from the fact that I am wearing a suit. You can't yeah. turn off yeah. the input to your brain. You can kind of yeah. try to drown it out, but you can't really ignore the sensations in your own body. And I don't know if you should. I mean, I like being aware of how I'm feeling in my body and being present. And is VR going to interfere with that? But anyway. Yeah, I, I, absolutely. Those are all fair points. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, the device makes use of haptic feedback that can simulate simulate realistic tactile sensations in each individual fingertip. And hence, the researchers from Gifu University in Japan have dubbed their invention a multi-fingered haptic interface robot. I would... When, see, these guys are not marketers. They're scientists. Yeah. Why would you not call it the boob glove, right? The boob glove. It's yeah, totally or the love glove. Oh, the love glove. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's totally like simple, catchy. 
boob glove. Anyway. Well, I think they have the problem of like in Japan. I mean, Japan already has the issue of like creating sex robots and all this stuff. And people just go ape shit because they're making robots to replace this. And, you know, nobody in Japan's having kids and all the shit. So they kind of I think to some degree, maybe they want to steer away from the sexual aspect of it, even though that's I think it's pretty. I mean, I think it's total bullshit that this is for medical students. Yeah. Yeah. And I think they know it. Yeah, Yeah, they know it. They do know it. They're lying to our faces. Yeah. Okay, so they say getting, they're trying to lay out the bullshit problem, which isn't the real problem here. (laughs) (laughs) Getting enough volunteers for examination practice is simply not possible, especially when the student needs to be able to detect lumps in various areas of the body. The haptic device means that one device could replicate limitless situations of lump size and location without the need for different hundreds of silicon models or volunteers who have cancer. Now, I have to jump in at this point and tell some medical school stories because I did go to medical school for two years. I didn't finish. I'm not a physician. I'm a PhD doctor because I got my doctorate in biochemistry, but I did go to medical school before I chose to not continue with it and be a voice actor instead. Yeah, You didn't like get dropped out or anything. Like you left. No, I left. I was doing great. I actually had one of the top board scores in my class for the step one of the U.S. MLEs. I did. I did well. It's just that I got really freaked out by the long hours and lack of sleep. Yeah. And I just, I couldn't do it. I was yeah. really stressed on the edge. Total Type A personality, which we're going to talk about next week. Okay. The origin of the term Type A and what what does it mean? Well, that sounds fascinating. All it right. is. Yes, it was very interesting. So a little preview there. But anyway, um, we actually did have volunteers to practice the sensitive exams, like for for the lung exam and the you know, for the respiratory exam and the even the abdominal exam and the eye exam and the ear exam, we practiced on each other because who cares, right? Just, you let someone look into the windows of your eyes or <laughs> look into your ears. Ooh, big deal. It's not very intimate, right? Right. But obviously for breast exams and genitalia exams and prostate exams, we couldn't exactly practice on each other. I guess suppose we could have and some people probably did, but um, <laughs> you, that was not really professional or kosher. So what we did was we had these scheduled sessions where we would go to the hospital and there would be a patient um, actor or a volunteer who who was getting paid because it's Mm. like an acting gig to let us examine them and do the more intimate types of exams on them. And (laughs) um, I don't want to I just I can't cross that line. It's I, I can't talk about that. But I will say that when we did the rectal exam, it was comical because it was medical students doing their first one. Mm -hmm. We had this doll to practice on. So we were like sticking our fingers in this doll's butt. And it wasn't really a a whole person. It wasn't like a sex doll because that would just be like people would probably be wanting to like check it out and like, you know, (laughs) take it (laughs) home with them. But it was a, you know, it was just basically a model of a butt. And inside you stick your finger in the rectum and you can feel the prostate. Right. Is this like a Nina Hartley like, no, branded it, it was, model butt? No, or, it's oh, a male because okay. only males oh, have prostates. Of course. <laughs> it Sorry. didn't have an it didn't have a name. It's like you don't give like an animal that you're gonna eat a name as a pet. You don't treat it as a pet. You treat it as a piece of meat. And we treated our butt model as a piece of meat. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't give him a name. All right. <laughs> but anyway, the funniest thing I remember. And this is just an awkward situation, right? Because we go into this room. There's like a gang of four medical students and one patient. 
not a gang, a group of four medical students. And we're like, okay, we're going to do our first rectal exam. This is this is really awkward. And we're trying not to be really nervous and embarrassed. We hope we do it right. And we're all together. And then there's this this guy who's going to be the examinee. Right. And he's getting the rectal exam. And honestly, he's he actually I remember him saying, well, you know, some people kind of like this. Some people don't mind it. I bet they <laughs> and do. And I was hoping that he he was actually getting more out of it than the the fee. There was also a rumor that like you had to um, volunteer for this in order to get into certain fraternities at the campus. <laughs> like, I mean, how is this any different than sex work? Like, what? <laughs> um. <laughs> All right, I it's, know. It, it is different. I mean, because it's medical. So I, I don't think that rumor was actually true because this guy was way too old to be in a fraternity. Oops. Well, anyway, back to the butt story. So, so this one medical student that was in our group, he puts the glove on and on the table in the exam room, there's a bottle of hand sanitizer and, a goat. and there's a bottle of lube. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Brian, <laughs> let me tell the story. You're ruining I'm so it. Sorry, keep going, please. <laughs> there's a bottle of lube, and there's a bottle of hand sanitizer. He put the hand sanitizer on his finger, oh. and he thought it was lube. Oh, shit. And he was just about to insert it into the guy's rectum. Oh, shit. And that would sting, right? That would burn because it's made of alcohol. Yeah. You don't want that. He was just about to stick his finger in the guy's butt. And then he's like, oh, shit, I put the wrong thing. I'm so sorry. And he changed his glove and he put the lube on instead. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Rookie, rookie mistake. He'll never do that again, I'm, I hope. <laughs> yeah. That... Those are the tales, tales from the crypt. You know, like I remember stories. Hell, I remember 60 Minutes with those dinosaurs where uh, where they did that big expose on the fact that a lot of operations and a lot of stuff you go through is actually being secretly performed by med students. <laughs> and, I wouldn't be surprised. And what kind of fuck ups they are, are happening a crazy there? bunch. <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit. Okay. Yeah. So anyway, so why were we I mean, we were really try- we were all really trying hard to like yeah, be, I don't... be professional yeah. and not you can't giggle when your fingers in someone's butt and it's not like a sexual situation, yeah. you know. Yeah. <sighs> anyway. Uh, so so why memories. were we bringing this up uh, about the Um because they're saying that this is for medical students and I'm saying that the story I just told, yeah. that's the kind of thing that this could replace Aha. <laughs> you would no longer have to pay a guy to come in and have four medical students stick their fingers in his butt maybe not in the most gentle way because it's their first time yeah see you know you're really you know this is just the robots replacing us you know i mean well in this case i really don't mind if they replace me i'm not a candidate <laughs> for this kind of job absolutely <laughs> Well, it's it's cool technology. I think there's a lot of uh, there are genuine practical implications, uh, you know, despite the fact that it feels like boobs. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. So, okay, I think we've talked about the boob glove quite enough. (laughs) What else do we have? We have a bunch of other things. So we've got two more stories I want to try to cover in this in this uh, in this part. So we we should start a segment called like smart dumb or something like that or like dumb dumb, smart or something because we talked about this smart mattress a couple weeks ago that tells you if your partner's cheating a smart mattress yeah this is a smart pregnancy test what 
a Bluetooth-connected pregnancy test that made a debut at CES 2016. Oh, this isn't going to get used for blackmail at all. (laughs) No. (laughs) I mean... Okay, like generally it's a bad idea when you connect personal things to the internet. I would say it has a potential for abuse at least. Yeah. It has a potential for useful stuff too, but generally uh, I feel a little wary about it. But a pregnancy test is next. Okay, so this is from the Wall Street Journal by Joanna Stern. Okay. She says, you know the rule. It's rude to peek inside someone's medicine cabinet. Now it's rude to peek at smartphone apps wirelessly connecting to those products, too. (laughs) Got that addendum, Emily Post? Yes, thermometers, pill dispensers, now even pregnancy tests can be connected to a smartphone and in some cases to the cloud. I call it the Internet of Bodily Things. (laughs) That's pretty good. (laughs) Uh, The Consumer Electronics Show in Las Vegas won't just feature tech giants this week. Healthcare and personal care products... Uh, sorry, health and personal care companies, including First Response, which is a pregnancy test brand, and L'Oreal. What the fuck could they possibly be doing connected to the internet? Maybe trying on makeup or I don't know. Also have descended on the annual gadget show. They're hoping to wow customers with new sensor equipped products coming soon to a drugstore near you. Not that the show hasn't yielded odd connected products in the past, but there was a laughable... Oh, sorry. This... You know, sometimes when you're reading an article and like a little thing pops up, that just happened. (laughs) Anyway, not that this show hasn't yielded odd connected health products in the past. There was a laughable connected fork. Oh, my God. Seriously, a connected fork. A parade of Bluetooth toothbrushes. Oh, my God. What are you going to do connected to your Fitbit and say, I brushed my teeth today? It's like when your mom get, was teaching you how to brush your teeth and she gave you a little sticker every day when you brushed them. Yeah. Oh, my God. So so what's with the pregnancy test? I just can't remember whether I brush my teeth. I need an app to tell me if I it's brush my teeth that day. It's crazy feel if you, yeah, brush your teeth. <laughs> wow. Like, tune into your body, right? <laughs> Uh, The new crop of products benefit from better technology, including improvements to low-energy Bluetooth that will make them more capable and power-efficient. Still, they face the same inherent challenge. They need to prove why we should pay extra for added technology in our personal health products. That's a great question. Yeah. Are you going to give up all your data to these companies and put put all your biometric data on the cloud? Some things should stay private, I I feel like, you know? Are you going to put all this data on the cloud about your body and let these companies use it in whatever way they do with big data and analytics and then pay extra for the privilege no yeah no 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 (laughs) i don't want that so like what's what's their selling point with this with this pregnancy test okay first response pregnancy pro first response says it's the first ever connected pregnancy test and it works just like any other except you'll want your smartphone close by Okay, not too close. <laughs> Download First Response's iOS or Android app, then connect the stick via... What? Connect the stick via Bluetooth? Okay. okay. You'll be walked through the pregnancy test process. So do you have to plug this thing into your phone and then pee? No, 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 no. It's okay. It's Bluetooth. It, it's, it's connecting wirelessly. Oh, that's right. That's why it's yeah. Bluetooth. Okay. Yeah, yeah. You'll be walked through. Oh, connect the stick via Bluetooth, not plug it in. Right. Yeah, Duh. Okay, okay. That was That'd my bad. That'd be interesting if they put it in, like, yeah, put it in the 1 jack mean, or in the lightning connector. And, yeah. Yeah. It makes me think of, like, we watched Shark Tank. We saw this product a while ago on Shark Tank where it was, like, a urinalysis app for dogs. 
Right. I'm sure they wanted to do it for people, but they just couldn't get through the regulatory process yet because they needed the funding. Yeah, but the anyway. dogs are going to be the guinea pigs, ironically. Yeah, but you can take a sample and then you can put it on this strip and then your phone like analyzes the color of the your analysis um, little squares and right. tells you what it tells you if your dog has diabetes, if your dog has kidney stones or various other things that you can tell from your analysis. But anyway... The biggest problem with it was actually getting the pee, like collecting this, a good sample from the dog. Yeah. Because you can't force a dog to pee in a cup. <laughs> <laughs> Just like you can't force a pregnant woman to pee on a stick and have it go into her phone. Anyway. <laughs> um, it tells... Okay, so... If you download the app, then connect the stick via Bluetooth, you'll be walked through the pregnancy test process, and it tells you when your sample has been recognized, and it entertains you during the three-minute waiting period, because life-changing news, nothing can what, calm what does you, it show you like Beyonce's a cat video. lemonade or something? Like, what? Oh, okay. It probably shows you ads. Yeah. Oh, my yeah, God. Yeah, that's entertaining. When your time's up, your smartphone gives you the good or bad news. <laughs> when you launch the app, it tells you if you're hoping... To be pregnant or not. Oh, no. Wait, sorry. I read that wrong. When you launch the app, you tell it if you're hoping to be pregnant or not. Based on your input, it will feed you information on the next steps when you get the results. Wow, this is really personal. It's getting this really personal information. How, per like, well, I'm this company is going to know, is going to be the first to know if you have an unintended pregnancy. And then they get to give you information about what to do next. Well, I, I'm confused. Like, so they're asking you, do you want to be pregnant or don't you? Right. Because then if it's positive, if, if you don't want to be pregnant, they're like, right, here's how to get an abortion well, or that, yeah, or that, here's how to adopt your baby or whatever. And if you do want to be pregnant, it'll be like, oh, here's some baby clothes and diapers that you can buy through our app and we'll get a cut. Yeah, that that's screwy because like that, that question really should come after um, that. That's that's really stupid that that it should. Uh... I mean, it just seems I guess maybe some people would be more comfortable talking to their phone about whether they want to be pregnant or not, which is a sad statement because, you know, that there is like it's not really that impersonal. Like you're giving a very sensitive piece of information to a company and who knows what happens to that data. They don't care about your privacy. No, they don't want to care about your no, privacy. Right. Right. But I mean, like that's really the wrong placement of that question. Like I, I get it. I mean, the whole idea is stupid. I'm not saying it isn't, I'm, you know, I'm just saying that like, that's, that is the absolute wrong placement of that question. Um, because I feel like that lends itself to, a certain suggestibility and i think the person that are that buys this in the first place is already very uh, obviously does not have uh, very good critical thinking skills when it comes to advertising because this is a nonsense product well what uh, if they just buy it because that that's the only one that's available well that's that's a potential issue i mean you know all right i mean let's be clear like you could technically like this this doesn't have to be a bad idea Okay, because the big problem with the Internet of Things or even the Internet of Bodily Things isn't that things are interconnected. It's that it connects to the Internet. That's the problem. Right. Okay? Yeah. The problem if it just if it just connected to Bluetooth is very is relatively secure compared to a lot of other you know radio types. Bluetooth is very very secure. Like it it, it keeps changing. Uh, like you could almost use the word multiphasic, but. Uh, and so that's okay. Like if you're going to connect it to your device, well, that's a fine way of doing it. Um, but the problem is, is that 
you know, the app doesn't just stay on the phone. The app connects to the internet or the cloud. Um, and then that, that information is up and out there and that can become a real problem. Uh, you know, from that point on is that, is that it's stored in an app that connects that stores stuff and connects to the cloud. If it was all localized, this might even have a place like this might have a purpose. This might be okay because yeah, unfortunately in our present society, it is very difficult. It is a problem to sometimes try and talk to your parents, you know, your stewards or whoever, Mm. uh, you know, about this situation. And maybe a phone could be a whole fucking lot more helpful. Maybe it could give you the number for someplace that could give you a hand or something like that. But yeah, I, my concern is, is that this data ends up in a space where, third parties could get access to it that's that's a that's absolutely why would they not do that that's the reason to develop a product like this to to then be able to sell the data and do stuff with it yeah or i mean people could you know could crack into it and use it as blackmail or shaming or whatever else this is uh yeah this is really scary that 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 something so personal uh and and so socially charged uh, you know, is, is, is connected in that way. Uh, like I said, call us old fashioned, but yeah, I'm just not really comfortable with it. I guess the market will tell us, see if people buy it. Right. But yeah, I mean, and, and like I said, we don't even have to be old fashioned. There's a way you could do this. There's the way, there's a way you could have a pregnancy test connect to your phone. The problem is, is when it goes that extra mile, when it goes to the, to the cloud, that's the real issue. Right. Uh, you know, and that's my issue with so much of the stuff. A lot of the internet of things. Okay. That's cool. If you want that, you want it. My problem is, is that it's connected to the big, bad internet. Uh, if it weren't, Hey, if it's in a, like a local, you know, uh, some kind of local connection, then, then fine. I don't care. Yeah. Well, you know what else is scary, Brian? When you're on a bus in Turkey and some guy pulls his dick out and flashes you. Oh, boy. But then what, what happens after that is that every woman on the bus starts beating him up. Whoa. So, yeah, the, not to end on a downer, but there's an interesting article I came across. I just wanted to bring it up on the show. This guy, a pervert on a bus, basically, pulled his dick out and started flashing people. And this was in Turkey. And there's a video of it because somebody took a video. And one woman saw it and instead of just you know like not saying anything she reacted to it and said oh my god what are you doing and she started like hitting him and then other women on the bus saw that and they joined in and they they all started basically beating this guy up and he had to get off the bus at the next stop wow are there photos i mean what there is a video of it yeah wow um and this is interesting because, uh, you know, people who do this kind of thing, the fla- flashers, yeah. they really get off on the silence of the victims. Oh, yeah. They, they get off on intimidating people or whatever and they, they and getting away with it. But they didn't let him get away with it. I, I can't say that I, I like when people get beat up, you know, yeah, even dig- though it's a flasher. I Like, I just don't, I don't like violence, but... How else do you handle a situation like that, right? Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't take the violence either. But uh, you know what? I'm glad that I mean, because you know, you know, I think earlier we were talking a bit about Japan. Uh, in Japan, this is a real problem, and it's not just flashing. It's a problem it's, in multiple places. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Groping but, too. Well, that's the thing. Instead, yeah. it becomes groping. I mean, it, it's it's an, it's a very real sense of rape, uh, and a lot of women there and a lot of people there are just so damn polite that they just let it happen yeah. even if they see it happening yeah and so i while i don't appreciate uh the 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 violence that came along with it 
I do appreciate a person standing up for themselves and, and people recognizing, no, this isn't okay. You're not, you know, you're not just, you know, your actions are going to have consequences. Uh, and yeah. I, I, I think so good. I don't want to shame people who don't do anything though, because it's not just no, that they're no, no. polite. It's that women learn a lot of times that it's not safe to like react when a man does something like that, because right. the man can overpower them. Sure. If they try to beat him, they'll just, they'll get beaten back. Right. Right. You know, and not only that, but it's not just that like women are trying to be polite, but it's like they get cultural message. We get cultural messages from the time that we're little girls that always say like, yeah, just always defer to men. Don't raise mm. a stink. Just be very nice and ladylike and polite and don't don't ever make a big deal out of anything yeah especially when it's something that bothers you and always be worried about someone else's feelings and not your own and that all comes together and yes no wonder people no wonder women don't say anything when stuff like this happens and it's incredibly common yeah i know i agree with you completely uh and i wouldn't i wouldn't shame women for you know i understand why why these things happen Mm -hmm. and you know it's a it's a it's a culture it's a social matter uh you know that 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 it comes out of uh but i'm just saying that i'm really really happy to see that uh you know this kind of stuff where and where did this happen again turkey in turkey especially in turkey holy shit yeah uh i mean i'm glad that this stuff isn't isn't just you know this isn't passing you know it's not being let go by anymore if you watch the video and we'll link to it in the show notes like these women are like kicking the guy on the bus yeah so you know, that, that's kind of funny. Like, I mean, isn't Turkey supposedly this, oh, it's all, they're all Muslims there and they're all sexually repressed and all this stuff. They I don't guess look, not. Well, you see people wearing headscarves on the bus, but not every woman is wearing one. Yeah. 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 I, yeah. It, it's a very interesting story. I mean, and I'm sure some find it like, you know, funny and, and the guy got it, got what was coming to him and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, regardless, I'm just happy to see that around the world that, that people aren't, uh, Aren't, aren't gonna take it we're yeah. not gonna yeah, take there we it go. Yeah. And on some twisted <laughs> that's sister. right absolutely d snyder baby this has been sex and science hour thanks for joining us this week we'll be back at you next week with another episode and stay tuned for our after show let's do an after show yeah, let's do it of course we're gonna do an after show all right more coming up You've just heard Sex and Science Hour. Game over. Play again next week. show oh yeah it's really good absolutely i love it too you know what else i love i love it when people shop through our link at stuff.sexandsciencehour.com i do love it
I got a little devilish there for a minute. I don't know what that voice was, but anyway, uh, it was good. It worked. Um, you know, before we get into it, yes, I I want to I want to uh, implore the listeners of the show to try something out. So I just recently submitted the show to iTunes. Okay, so yeah. if someone could email us when oh, they see it show up in iTunes that's right. with yeah. the latest episodes, please let me know. Because if there's one thing I hate doing, it's looking at iTunes. Uh, so if you want to save <laughs> me the trouble. Yeah, I'm so glad you handled that, Brian. Yeah, uh, just just check it out. See if you can find it there. Uh, and, and also, the other thing I'd like to ask listeners, do you really want the show on Stitcher? Like, do we have anybody that listens on Stitcher? I know at least one person who does like to listen on Stitcher. Okay. Well, email us. If you really want it on Stitcher, I'm not I doing don't want to do all people. the work for that one guy, though. But I think once you get this show on it, you just it picks up your podcast feed, right? Yeah, something like that. But just I'd like to know how many people. Honestly, I'd like to know how many people listen on Stitcher. So if you want to shoot an email, let me know and maybe I'll put it on Stitcher anyway. And what's that email address? Show at sexandsciencehour.com. And that goes to both of us. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. It's feedback hour. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> yeah, I well, I just, you know, th- these are two things that I that I really want to know. I mean, this whole podcasting thing needs to get uh figured out. Absolutely. So, all right. Now, <laughs> let's get to the stuff. Yeah, let's get to it. So, okay, have you seen this movie Lucy? Oh, yeah. 2014 with Scarlett Johansson? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I uh, really like Scarlett Johansson. Oh, yeah. I mean, who doesn't? She's awesome actress. Mm-hmm. Really pretty good actress. Yeah. But anyway. Has some wacky beliefs outside, but it's fine. Really? Like what? Oh, I don't She just says some dumb shit. Like sometimes. what does she say? Like statist stuff. Oh. I, I, I hate to oh, even use that term. Renob. But... You know what a no, renob no, is, right? Yeah. It's a boner backwards. backwards. So. <laughs> yeah. But no, she's still, she is a great, I think she's a great actress. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's beautiful and, you know, just does great work. You know, there's a lot of um, voice jobs because I, you know, I'm a voice actor. So I look at auditions that get posted on various job websites and I see a lot of auditions where people are like, okay, we need someone who sounds like Scarlett Johansson. Usually yeah. they want someone who sounds like in in the movie Her. Exactly. I was just thinking that. That's yeah, what it's I for. see that like once a week. It's something we need to talk about in the future on Sex and Science Hour is all these personal assistant and AI software stuff mm. like Siri and all that. I think it'd be interesting to, to go down that road. Yeah. Because... People are banking on it big. I mean, like, there's lots of ones that people don't even know the names of that are out there. And, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've gotten by pretty well without one, so. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, what is what is Lucy about? I, I see the uh, summary here. Somebody bought it through our link. Oh, we Thank should watch it sometime. Yeah, let's watch it. Um, it It's about, she, so she's well, just. Wait, let me do the movie trailer one sentence summary. In a world. Scarlett Johansson is Lucy, a woman accidentally caught <laughs> a woman accidentally caught in a dark deal who turns the tables on her captors and transforms into a merciless warrior. Also stars Morgan Freeman. That does not do a good job of explaining <laughs> okay, that. Okay, so now you tell me what it's really about. <laughs> no, well, so yeah, she ends up, I mean, spoiler alert, um I mean the movie's been out for two years come on guys uh, so you know really people that don't like spoilers I'll, I'll say this on this show in case no one's ever heard me say it before 
I think they're terrorists, like, because you are <laughs> holding the world hostage in freedom of speech. Like, you will not, you just don't let people talk about whatever the fuck they want to talk about. And, and I, get, I get really, I get mad about it. Uh, I'll, I'll give you a spoiler alert, but that's as far as it goes. And, and honestly, that should be no guarantee. You know, I'm that's not like, giving you a I mean, that's agreement. like a trigger warning, right? Like, you, I think a lot of people make a good faith effort to be considerate. I do for sure. Sure. But at the end of the day, like when you go out and ask everybody to give trigger warnings for everything, you are kind of asking other people to manage your feelings, right? Yeah. About what you're hearing. Yeah. I mean, and, and you know, when people get, the thing is, is when people get mad about it, I mean, it's fine. If you don't like hearing spoilers, okay, that's your prerogative. But when people get mad and like they message you or they email you about it and all that stuff, it's like, okay, I'll shut my mouth, you know, just so that you can, I mean, it, it's, yeah, it's really a problem. Like that, that's not, it's not cool. It's uh, not your job to make sure that other people get to be surprised by the ending of a movie. Let's yeah. put it that way. And what are they doing listening to your thing if they know you're going to talk about the ending, right? Yeah. Like- I mean, and it's not like I'm not going to enjoy it anyway. I mean, even I wish, you know, something I hated, uh, the movie Signs with Mel Gibson. Yeah. Terrible fucking film. Every, everything <laughs> M. Night Shyamalan makes is terrible. Uh, but That's a bold statement. Well, it's true. And like, I wish somebody told me what the fuck the ending was. Because all I kept hearing about was how great the ending was, but nobody would say what the ending was. And when I finally got to it, I was like, well, that's bullshit. I'm like, this doesn't even, like, that. that's that's uh, anticlimactic. Like, this is stupid. <laughs> what was the ending? Spoil it for me. Well, like, the ending was is that, oh, somehow everything came together and their son, like, was able to, you know, he didn't want to drink water and that's, or he could only drink a little bit of water and that's because he was setting up a defensive perimeter of water and all this stuff. And it was all like proving God and all this crap. Oh, and, man. and I was just like, this, this, is, this is such shit. Like, even like the guy's like <laughs> wife dying, supposedly, you know, had the statement swings, whatever swing. Mm-hmm. And all of this allowed them to figure out how to defeat this alien invasion. Right. And, and I just, I thought it was so, it was just pure garbage of film and if somebody just told me you know if somebody spoiled it for me i would have known okay no i don't need to go watch it i like spoilers because i don't like my time getting wasted you know right i'm like go ahead and tell me what the whole movie's about and because if it's really that goddamn good i'm gonna enjoy it anyway i think personally I, all right I've never thought about this before, but now it's oh, finally. It's hit a me. for breaking news. Spoiler that this whole outrage around spoiler alerts, I think, was manufactured by the MPAA. <laughs> well, the, they would benefit from it. Yeah, the money. Yeah, I'm telling you. I think I think these fucks. I'm going to tweet this out right now. I think these guys they they pushed all this because they've been putting out such crap films for so long that they're like, look, if if, if everybody keeps telling everybody. You know, like the ending and all the stuff. Yeah, know then we we're won't not get as much anymore. business. Right. <laughs> right. Then nobody will have to watch it. <laughs> so I think all that. I mean, I, I, yeah, I think they're all agents of the MPA. There's a conspiracy theory for you. All right. So anyway, uh, Lucy, Lucy is about human advancement. Now, it's kind of it, it, it. it's made by Luc Besson, who uh, who did um, The Fifth Element, which was a great uh-huh. movie. Yeah, uh, he's a great he's actually a great writer, great director. Uh, it has some issues, some scientific implausibilities and impossibilities uh but uh but it is about this you know this prostitute effectively uh becoming like the most advanced human ever uh 
Uh, and mm. it, it's it's actually a very fun, very tight action film. I enjoyed it. Cool. Yeah. So there we go. Who doesn't Sorry. love a tight action film? Yeah. Long, long. I went way longer on that, but thank you for helping me realize what I think. Uh, who's really behind the whole spoiler alert thing? <laughs> well, you can watch movies on Amazon. I can't remember. I think I watched a movie once on Amazon. Because my Prime membership comes with, like, free movies or something. Yes. But I don't take advantage of it as much as I probably could. So maybe let's watch Lucy. You got me. I know. I, you I are download such a all great, these You movies. are like my movie DJ. <laughs> you are so good at that, I Brian. have terabytes upon terabytes uh, that, of, of all this stuff. I don't love you for your movies, but I, it is fun to watch movies with you because you yeah. always have one to show me. We make it a good time. I think ba- basically speaking of movies, after this show... We're going to be watching Ancient Aliens. Let's do that. Yeah. Let's watch. Because totally they're in that. season 11 now. Jesus. Oh, boy. They never run out of aliens. I love it. Okay. So the next thing that somebody got, and this is kind of funny, because this is an item that my mom swears does not work. It is a infrared thermometer. Oh, yeah. She thinks it only works if it's under the... Yeah. She's like totally old fat. She's like, it only works if you take it under the tongue. Or up the butt, but we don't really need to go that far. Um, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so, oh, okay. I thought this was like for people, but this is actually for like meat and things. Oh, well, I'm sure that works fine. Well, that's cool. Actually, so, okay, it doesn't need to be like accurate. So this says it's I mean, ac- it still could be used on people if you're that It, it could, it could. But basically they want you to use it for like your pool, your car, or your kitchen. And it says accurate to plus or minus 2% or 2 degrees Celsius. So wow. that's pretty good. It's yeah. not for taking somebody's temperature because 2 degrees Celsius could definitely make or break a fever. So if yeah. you're trying to see if somebody has a fever, eh, it's probably not that great. But it has a wide temperature range. So it goes from minus 50 C to 550 C, which is 10... 1022 Fahrenheit. Wow. Holy shit. What could possibly get that hot? Maybe your engine or something. But it shows like a picture of a guy pointing it at like a steak Wait, 10, on the 22? grill. 1022 degrees okay. Fahrenheit. I was That's thinking the temperature of, range, and it's two degrees accuracy within that range. I was thinking of this is a funny story. I told I just told this to you earlier today. There's I love Bon Jovi, like mm-hmm. genuinely. Great, great band. Uh their second album is called Seventy Eight Hundred Degrees Fahrenheit. Yeah, we were just talking about and that. And this is yeah. so good. And, and of course, this couldn't register that. But the reason is, is that that's, that's the temperature at which rock like starts to melt <laughs> and all that. And so, you know, you get a, the rock is melting with Bon Jovi's so hot and whatever. <laughs> little, 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 if you ever wondered why the hell did he call it 7,800 degrees Fahrenheit, there it is. All right. So that seems like a very useful item. And this, yeah. this particular one is the E-Tech City Laser Grip 1080 Non-Contact Digital Laser IR Infrared Thermometer Temperature Gun Yellow Black. Love it. <laughs> I love the names of these things. That's great. Um, okay, so we talked about the Rain-X blades. But yeah, somebody got like all different lengths of Rain-X blades. They got a 16-inch, they got a 19-inch, and they got a 26-inch. So they're uh, maybe... Outfitting a bunch of cars with Rain-X blades. Yeah, they might have a bunch Which of Which I can't cars. say that's a bad idea, because Rain-X is the best brand or of you know, windshield wipers. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Um, or maybe they just weren't sure which size to get, so they bought, like, every size. <laughs> well, you know, I was going to say, you know, they might be testing. My dad had a theory, and, I mean, it seemed to kind of work, is that you put significantly shorter wiper blades mm-hmm. uh, than what is meant for your car onto your car. 
and it actually works better for your visibility because uh like i think his his idea was is that they, they it would go across faster like it would um wait how to explain that it lowers the drag yeah and and like because it would just it would go so much faster anyway i I'm I'm messing up his explanation as to why, but he was a big believer huh. in doing that. So maybe you want to give that a shot. Uh, don't try this at home, folks. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> Another thing you shouldn't try at home is reading Hans Hermann Hoppe's books. <laughs> Somebody bought a Hans Hermann Hoppe book through our link. Didn't Democracy. we mention that last week? No, we were talking about it off the air oh, with Jake. Remember that? Because yes. we were talking about HHH. Yeah. And we talked about <laughs> we talked about the book. So the book that they bought is Democracy, the God That Failed. And I'm just I'm saying that because honestly, Hans Hermann Hoppe is a I think he's a professor of economics at like Las Vegas University mm-hmm. or something like that in Nevada. And he is known for some controversial opinions. He is a libertarian or maybe like basically like a socially conservative type of libertarian. Yeah. And he is known for some very controversial statements where he says things like in a polite society, gay people would just be kicked out like they couldn't be they couldn't exist and they'd be thrown out and they'd have to just die. Yeah. Some of those statements are in this very book. Exactly. Uh, this is the book that they come from. And then in this book, the main thing is like, he basically says that a monarchy is the best form of government for various reasons, but like all the problems with democracy, like the special interest groups and the two wolves and a sheep voting on dinner, you know, he's, he basically says like, well, monarchy is ideal because, the the monarch kind of has to be nice or people will just start like stop taking them seriously and mm. and just kill him essentially or her mm-hmm. and basically the monarch can be kind of like a benevolent dictator that doesn't really do much but acts as like a stop against a power vacuum sure yeah and you know before somebody emails in i know somebody's going to say it's like well his statements get taken out of context and all this and and that might they be they do they, th- the context as we understand it the real context for that statement was in a truly free society there might be groups of people that might choose to do something like not let gays live with them or something like mm-hmm. that now why he would use that example it's pretty insensitive you know well it might be there to shock but maybe I, maybe well, he's trolling yeah, I just want to say that, like, I know that people make that argument, but I do, I wonder about his wording. Like, he was either just having a lazy day or what, because he specifically says, he doesn't say in, like, there's a point, there's an exact phrase where he says something like, in a libertarian order, mm-hmm. or it's like in the, he he doesn't make it sound like, like an indefinite article. Like, mm-hmm. he makes it sound like, this is the, this is the way order. it's going to be. Yeah. yeah, and and if he just like inserted the word possible, right, that would make it so much better. That right? would have been like, oh, well, this is just one example of yeah. what this would look like. But yeah, it's not exactly clear. I mean, I, Ayn Rand gets taken out of context all sure. the time, like by liberals who don't who've never read her books, right? right. So there's that. Like sometimes. You know, people who are ideologically on some point in the spectrum will get taken out of context by people who disagree with them and haven't read their books. But in this case, I mean, he also says this thing. He's got this thing about natural elites, right? He thinks there's basically natural born. There's natural elites and natural intellectuals. He has a a, a small pamphlet, uh, which I keep a copy of, 
Um, do you think you're a natural Elise? No. Neither <laughs> <laughs> do I. Yeah, and not that it's like his idea. Like, I mean, the, the founding fathers talked about it with the natural aristocracy. You know, Thomas Jefferson would talk about right. that. Maybe he uh, got it from them. Yeah. So, yeah, he, he has, he definitely has some very, very odd ideas. There's, I mean, some of them are great. Some of the stuff's really good, but some of the other parts are very questionable. He must have tenure or else he wouldn't be saying this shit, you know? Yeah. <laughs> he can't get fired. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, anyway. So, yeah, here's the summary of the book. Well, we don't have to read it. Yeah, People what, either what know it or they don't. So, yeah. anyway, somebody bought that book. What Thank else you. we got? Tell, give us a book review, whoever bought If you're listening, you can give us a book review. Yeah, Tell us absolutely. if you think that he really meant those things that he said about natural elites and gays getting kicked out. Or if you really just were interested in the monarchy thing and thought it was interesting. Because it could be. Yeah. Anyway, um, somebody bought a phone. An Asus Zenfone. Asus. Oh, f- sorry. That's okay. I used to say Asus for years. I know because it's it's like Pegasus, right? Yeah, that's that's what we thought, but then it ends up everybody says no. You're supposed to pronounce it Asus. But wasn't the name originally based on Pegasus? Yep. So why isn't it Asus? I don't know. It's like Pegasus, but just Asus. <laughs> I, yeah, yeah, Asus. Yeah, it's just. <laughs> You know, I mean, Asus is a is a great company. I like them. Like, I use they their make products. Awesome yeah. shit. Yeah, um, but uh, it's just dumbass marketing. So this is the Asus Zenfone Max, five and a half inches, thirteen megapixel, sixteen gigabyte smartphone, black international version, no warranty. Now, is this unlocked? Yeah. Now here's the deal with this thing. Mm-hmm. Okay, and actually, I think I know who bought this. Really? Yeah. Because it was you that suggested it. Yes. Yes. Because I wrote about this at the Dark Android blog. Yes. At DarkAndroid.info. Good job. So, uh, so the Asus uh, Zenfone Max, the Zenfone ser- series is really good. In fact, I had a, a Zenfone too. Um, the the Zenfone Max has this 5,000 milliampere battery in it, and like it goes for days, you know, and, wow. and that's the whole, that's, that's the whole point with that phone. It's not the most powerful phone at all, but you can get it for cheap and the battery lasts forever. Well, it's $200. I don't know if that's cheap, but maybe for a phone. Yeah. Yeah. For a phone, it's cheap. And I is mean, it, it's unlocked. So you can just put any SIM card in it. Any. Yeah. But I mean, you can't use it like whatever company you use it with has mm-hmm. to accept GSM. Oh, okay. Got it. Which like Verizon Sprint use CDMA still. Huh. So, so that's like one of the most powerful batteries that's out there right now. It's one of the larger ones that mm. is stock on a phone. Yeah, absolutely. That's cool. Because now you can't remove the batteries anymore, right? On a like, lot of them, you can't. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, some you still can. Like the, the I have the just going to shit. I remember you, when you could take it out to reset it. Yeah. That, that? That's the beauty of it is that you could take it out. And, and in fact, like even I remember on the show 24, mm-hmm. uh, not that I recommend anybody watch that, but like they talk about how. Okay, take the battery out of your phone, otherwise they can still track you. Right, I remember you know, that. Yeah. And and like and that's true. Like they base that upon you know a real fact. Uh, so the fact that you can't take the battery out of your phone, well, that means that you're still getting followed. Anyway. Yeah, you're getting followed anyway. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you want, you're getting followed by your Bluetooth pregnancy test. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I will say like uh, the the blue B, that's BLU Vivo XL that has a removable battery in it. Um, and it's, uh, you know, it's only like 150 bucks. So cool. Anyway. Well, next we have beat it, beat it. No one wants to beat it. 
I don't get it. <laughs> um, I can't we, see it. <laughs> we got some a headset. It's called the Beat It G18 in-ear wireless Bluetooth headset. Oh, nice. Hands-free sports music, neckband, earbone, earfuds. What? Wait. Earphone earbuds. Wow. Supports CSR DSP with mic and voice prompt for smartphones with Bluetooth function black. Of course. That's the Amazon product it's gotta, name. got to be black. Super long. So it looks like it's a G- Bluetooth headset. That's pretty cool. It's a l- pretty low price point, 30 yeah. bucks. Up to six hours of continuous talking or music time with 180 hours standby, three hours full charge. That's pretty good. Yeah, that's pretty good. I, I like I I like Bluetooth. Uh, I dig Bluetooth devices. Yeah. I like that idea, uh, you know, like Bluetooth headsets and all that. My only problem is, is that... Like I'll I'll listen to easily like headphones for six hours stretch like I'd run oh, out of battery. I'm no wearing time. them right now. I've got them on all day. Right, yeah. <laughs> uh, so I can't. I personally I can't really use them. Uh, you know because they're just they're not practical for what I do. But that I think that's awesome. Maybe we. Why do wouldn't? One, why would they not be practical for what you do? Because I'd run out of battery. Oh, like, before oh, I gotcha. even half the day is, is mm. done. Yeah, um, but. Uh, but I mean that's good if they're used for like a workout and all that. I mean that makes sense. Yeah, I could, I could see you don't that. want to be tra- tangled up in your cord. Yeah, they sell some that that actually do both, where they're they can connect mm-hmm. to your one eighth jack or they can they can be wireless Bluetooth. That's right. great. I think that's really cool. But it's a smaller one, good for workouts. It's great. A nice device. They need to have like phantom powered ones that can wirelessly charge as they're as you're using them. You know what I mean? That don't need to be charged up. Oh. Yeah, I guess that depends on the distance. Like that, that kind of charging exists. I, I know. Yeah, I wonder. Yeah, so that's a, that's a good thought. <laughs> Maybe we do one more and then one more. There's there's five more items. <laughs> I, I I know, but we're okay. I know right, it's let... getting late. Okay, we'll do them quick. Akama Data Samba USB SATA hard drive enclosure with Zeta. PCI card. I don't know how to pronounce this. That's okay. It looks like a hard drive enclosure. For 15 good. bucks. Wow, you can't good. beat that. That's great. Somebody got a voice remote for Amazon Fire TV and Fire TV Stick. What's the TV Stick? The TV Stick, it literally looks like a, it looks like a flash drive, a little yep. thumb drive. Mm-hmm. And it you can, plug it into your TV. And you plug it into the TV. And a, it plugs into the HDMI and a USB port, which most TVs have both now. Mm-hmm. Uh, at least as far as I know, you plug it into the USB port. And then, uh, and, and then it works like... Um, you know, it works like a streaming box, like right? Apple TV and, and things like that. These are very popular. Amazon's doing gangbusters with these. Mm. Uh, in fact, we had a previous listener buy the Fire TV, and they probably bought this remote because these remotes act as uh, the game controller. Right. So you want to buy more of them. Right. Yeah. So very cool. That's cool. Yeah. yeah. And it's not that expensive, 30 bucks. Yeah, no, it's, it's a, I'll admit it's a great device. Yeah. And there's software on there where you can listen to Sex and Science Hour right through your fire. Oh my gosh, that's so cool. I hope they are. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So, Brian, somebody bought a Sphygmo manometer. Do you know what that is? I, you're going to school me on this one. I don't know. A Sphygmo manometer is a blood pressure cuff. And oh. so, and the person did write. They bought an a manual blood pressure cuff, not one of those <laughs> automatic ones. So this is one where you have to actually take a stethoscope and stick it under there and listen for the brewy when the nah. when the pressure goes down. That's how you take someone's blood pressure because it you're inflating the cuff to cut off the blood pressure in their artery, 
so that no blood is flowing through it. And then you slowly release the pressure to the point where it the artery is able to open back up because the pressure in the artery exceeds the pressure of the cuff. And then that's how you get their blood pressure because you hear the blood rushing back in. That's brilliant. Yeah. So you've probably been doing that for, what, 100, 200 years? Yeah, probably 100 years at least, I yeah. guess. I don't know. Phenomenal. Um, but yeah, the manual ones are pretty cheap. Eleven thirty-eight. That's a pretty good deal. Oh, fantastic! I got one of these. We could take our blood pressure. Ooh, oh boy. fun! I mean, if you're next to me, it's going to go through the roof. Yeah, there's, there's just no way around that. <laughs> Somebody got a laser sight for a handgun. I know okay. you're not a big fan of guns, but this is pretty much the only thing it could be possibly used for, I'm guessing. It's the Crimson Trace CMR-206 Railmaster Universal Green Laser Sight. So it mounts on, it looks like a Glock 9mm, I'm maybe guessing. It, maybe it works for a pellet gun. In the picture. Maybe. Yeah, maybe it does. Yeah. And uh, it, you know, you can aim it and it'll show you where, where the shot's going to land, it looks like. Okay. It got really good ratings. Well, thank you for using our, our, our link. Right on. And also, we have... Oh, you'll like the name of this because it sounds like Zog. <laughs> it's the SOG multi-tool. Oh, SOG, S-A-G. S-O-G. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, uh, yeah. I know they're, they're a company. They sell all kinds of... I, I've had like a SOG um, uh, survival uh, shovel. Mm -hmm. which is a great thing to have. But is this like a Leatherman? Is that what this is like? It's sort of like a Leatherman, yeah, but it does a bunch of things. So it looks like, okay, what do we got here? Ten tools in one. Mm. We've got, I'm trying to see what the ten tools are. I can see it, though. You know, I wonder if my ex-boyfriend is shopping through the link because he had one of these things that was sort of like that, and he would totally buy the, the site, the laser site. He would, like, drool oh, over that, and yeah, he would yeah, love yeah. the he would love this multi-tool, too. <laughs> Maybe he is, but anyway. So here's what it includes. A bolt grip channel. What the hell is that? Bolt grip channel. I don't know. I guess for, for unscrewing a bolt. A bottle opener. A hard wire cutter. A medium flat screwdriver. Needle nose pliers. Phillips screwdriver. Straight edge blade. Wire crimper. Wire cutter. And magnetic bit driver. That is a useful thing. Yeah. You know, these are really cool. I've, I've had Leatherman's and, and some other stuff in the yeah. past. The only thing is, is that, and I'm not, I'm not knocking, they're great to have because, I mean, you know, it's better to have a tool than not have one. Um, but like, they definitely, I, I love it. Like, I'm a huge fan of Swiss Army knives. And I love it when they say, oh, it has 96 features. And it's like, okay, yeah, but it really, it just barely does any of those. Like, it, yeah. it's not. So some of them are sub subpar in how <laughs> right. exactly they function. Yeah, yeah, uh, but, I know what you mean. Yeah, but again, it's great to have those tools than to not have them. You know, it's better to have them than not. I so mean, yeah, awesome. it looks pretty good, and it says SOG, which looks like ZOG. So, and it's yeah. kind of black. You would, you would dig this. Anyway, okay, so that's it for this week. We're at the bottom of the pile, but we have more items next time. And if you want to be on our after show and have us judge you silently for your purchases. No, that's not a good selling point. <laughs> if you want to be on our after show and, and come play with us, that sounds nicer. Yeah, that's nice. Um, <laughs> then go to stuff.sexandsciencehour.com and go shopping. And I'll tell you I'll tell you something that I bought on Amazon this week. Oh, my God. What didn't I buy? I, I did a huge shopping trip this week, and I bought a bunch of stuff. And if I could only remember 
what I actually bought. <laughs> okay. I mean, some of it was things that I've talked about before, like those paleo cookies. They finally came back into stock. I know it's dumb to buy paleo cookies. There's not really paleo, okay? They're just made with, like, not flour. They're made with, like, cashews or some yeah. shit like that. <laughs> it, they're really good, okay? <laughs> and um, I talked about my pillow, too, that I got yeah. a couple of weeks ago. The bamboo ago. pillows, yeah. Yeah. My orders. Let's see what I got. I have to sign in. Do, do, do. Um, okay. They're not bamboo pillows. They're just no, the I, cover is bamboo. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um. Okay. So, oh, here's another food thing I got: Choco Perfection, dark mint sugar-free chocolate. These things are. They give you this little insert in the package, and it's mm-hmm. fifty bucks. By the way, it's fifty bucks for thirty of these chocolate bars, which is pretty expensive. But they're worth it. They're so good, okay, and I'll take your word they're for sugar-free, it. <laughs> and they're mints. They taste like those Andes mints. You mm. know, they, they like just melt in your mouth. And the reason it's so it's so expensive is because, well, that helps you not eat as many of them because they're so expensive. Yeah, I mean, I won't touch them. <laughs> not a chance. I mean, like I'm terrified. You're eating a dollar fifty each bar. Yeah, but, um... <laughs> like that. That totally fucks with my Jewishness. <laughs> but they have these probiotic or prebiotic fibers in them mm. that is made out of I think it's oligo fructose or inulin or some fiber mm-hmm. that um, basically feeds the bacteria in your gut and that contributes to keeping a healthy weight. Okay. So I bought those. You can judge me accordingly. I also bought, I bought another Nalgene bottle, and I'll tell you why. Because Nalgene, these bot, they're they're freaking amazing. I use them every day, a one liter Nalgene to brew my tea in, mm-hmm. and I have this little camp thing that screws over the top of the tea, and filters out the tea leaves as you drink it. So it just it it just basically strains them out, so you never have to deal with drinking tea leaves even though the leaves are at the bottom of it. Yeah. Um, I've been brewing my tea in those every day for like 10 years. <laughs> They're awesome. But I could have gotten another one because Nalgene actually will replace those. Like if they break, they will replace it. You just send them a picture right. of it and they'll send you another one, which is freaking awesome. Yeah, it's like lifetime... Rochester, New York. So yeah, yeah it's yeah. a real lifetime warranty. But I bought another one because I want to support them. And it didn't really break. It was just the, the cap that broke. Yeah. So it didn't have a lid. And I mean, the bottle was fine. It was just the cap that broke. And I said, you know what? I'm going to replace that. So I upgraded and I got myself a purple one. Oh, good job. Yeah. I love those. I, I use them too. Yeah. They're pretty cool. Yeah. Um, What else did I get? I use um, Giovanni Tea Tree Triple Treat Conditioner, which that's pretty cool because you can massage it into your scalp and it makes it tingle. Wow. I love those. You don't you don't have hair, so you don't have to deal with yeah, any of this. Yeah, I don't buy anything. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. you have to buy razors to shave your head. That's true. I get them from Harry's. <laughs> um, and I bought toilet paper, but we won't talk about that. Yeah. Anyway, I think we should wrap up here. Do you agree? Yes. And go watch some ancient aliens. Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in. This has been Sex and Science Hour and uh yeah, we'll see you next week. Woo! Next Shop, week. no, stuff, fuck. Stuff.sexandsciencehour.com. Subscribe to our podcast. Tell a friend. Go to sexandsciencehour.com. Check it out. I don't know. Listen to our old shows. It's all there for you. And most importantly, come back and see us next week. Doctor's orders. 